Shalom. Welcome to Sharing the Word. I'm your host, Dr. Driver. In my last episodes, we talked about Matthew 24, and we covered the entire uh, passage relating to end-time events. Now, it seems like every day we are going through what I would call apocalyptic events that can dictate or even share to anyone who is a believer and even a non-believer that the world is imploding. The world is coming to an end. We now see from a pandemic, everybody has to wear masks. We see that people are dying from this COVID-19. But at the same time, we are finding that most of the activity that is governing our activities has been polluted. It has been partiality or it has been partial in certain ways because of government uh, politicians who continue to say things and do things for political gain. But what does that mean for us as believers when we see these things happening? We can see that most of the rules that have governed our way of life today has been dictated by opinions, by political motivations, and even economic advantage, or as I would say, opportunist. We are living in end times. Matthew 24 has clearly opened our eyes to say, yes, the Lord said in the last days there will be people who would come in his name. In the last days, we found out that there will be pestilence of all kinds. We found out in the last days, according to Matthew 24, that there will be false prophets and teachers, that there will be wars and rumors of wars. We found out that there will be kingdom against kingdom or people against people, nation against nation, ethnos or ethnicities against one another. We found out that there will be earthquake and famines in various places. But the end is not yet. When we see these signs, we're supposed to be aware, cognizant, that the Lord's return is imminent. And throughout the scriptures, we find that the signs of the times bring in certain results manifested through the Gospels of Jesus Christ. And even through the Old Testament, we see those things manifest in our lives. And we say, are we there yet? Is the Lord coming soon? I say, as the Bible has already explained to us, we don't know the day or hour. But since we do not know the day or hour, we must live as though this is the day of the Lord. When I finished Matthew 24, I said that we will go into various passages from the apostles, from the epistles, from the Old Testament, and even the New Testament about end-time prophecy. Then we will get into the book of Daniel, as well as the book of Revelations, to discuss 
in detail. End time events. What do we do when we see right now that it appears there's no room inside? There's no room right now for us to experience the freedoms that we had once before. And I'm going to be honest with you, my friends. It's not about freedoms that we have in America. It's not about freedoms that I can go and buy and shop and do whatever I want. The freedoms I have in Christ is that I am free in him. Because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And what am I free from? I'm free from the law of sin and death. I'm free from bondage. I'm free from being held back or shackled by sin. I am liberated because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. I don't have to live a life anymore of condemnation, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but in the spirit, according to Romans 8. Now, my friends, we are in perilous times, but we must continue to walk as though we are free men and women. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4 gives me inspiration as well as motivation to continue to be a liberated, born-again believer. And we know that the world is still sick. We know the world is reacting to sin. We know the world has many issues. Some people will say, well, the reason why the world is, say, sick, uh, the world itself, is because of climate change. We could say that the world is sick because politically, in every nation, every country, uh, some leaders are corrupt. We could say the world is sick because we don't have control over Mother Nature. But I am saying the world can take care of itself. It is just people need to learn to take care of one another. And to take care of one another is to love one another as Christ loved you. We must forgive one another. We must find for the first time in our history more things that we have in common than things that are uncommon to us. And there are, from an inventory list, more things that we have commonality over than things that we do not. We all need food. We all need shelter. We all need water. We all need to have love, affiliation, safety. But we, as children of God... will suffer differently than those who are not children of God. Everyone is suffering right now. Those who lose a job, that's suffering. Those who find out that they have a disease, that is called suffering. Those who are attacked because of their political position in life. If you're a Democrat, then maybe you are accepted by the liberal forces of this world. If you're a Republican, then maybe you're accepted by the conservative forces of this world. But the two are distinct. The two polarized. The two are in opposition. Left and right, we see there is opposition. Partiality occurs. And we know there is sufferings. There are trials that go when you belong to different sides of the fence. But Jesus warned us that we will suffer for being a Christian. 
Jesus told us as I suffered, as others before you suffered, meaning apostles, meaning prophets, meaning other martyrs in the Bible, they all suffered because of their faith in God. We are going to suffer. Apostle Paul says it very clearly. Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, desire, desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will suffer trials and tribulations. We are expected to undergo trials and sufferings. But then the Bible tells us and prepares us that we must, in these last days, endure it, persevere. It is part of life as a believer. But we have the victory because of what Christ did on the cross. We have the freedom because of his love that is in us has set us free. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever should believe in him should never perish, but have everlasting life. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us, seals us, it comforts us, it teaches us. It it, it 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 gives us gifts from the from the heavens above. It gives us hope. The Holy Spirit gives us hope. First Peter four verse one says, "For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind." For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Now, Jesus is God in the flesh. He suffered horrific persecution, betrayal, and death. And many people were saying crucify him when they know he was innocent for all those false accusations that came his way. But Jesus said he will be betrayed. He will be, he will be handed over. He will suffer for the world's sins. And if Christ suffered greatly, we should not expect in our lifetime not to undergo, not to go through any type of mistreatment, maltreatment, or any type of persecution. We will suffer. But we have this hope that Christ paid the price. And if Christ is going to go through that suffering for our salvation, then we must hang on, hold on, as Paul even said, run the race, hang on, you'll make it to the finish line, and you will receive the crown of glory, the crown of life. Verse 2 says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh of the lust of men, but to the will of God. See, the flesh is dominating the world today. And when we go through pain, we quit. We say, I don't want to deal with this anymore. It's too painful. We abandon the cause of righteousness because we don't like the trials or the sufferings we're going through. Jesus even prayed in the garden. He says, Father, please take this cup from me, but not, not take it from me because I want you to. I'm paraphrasing here. Take it from me because you want to take it from me. So what he's saying is, take this pain of suffering from me. I don't want to go through what I got to go through. It's going to be bad. 
But because it's the mission that you called me to live, it's the mission to be fulfilled, it's the plan that we have to bring salvation to the world, he said, I would rather go through it because that's what you want, not what I want. Because what you want is more important than what I want, Lord. So we have to get to the point, my friends, where we say the pain and the sufferings we're going through is momentary. It's temporal. It's not going to last forever. And we cannot let our flesh cause us to sin because we let the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all those sinful fleshly things uh, get in the way of our mindset and our ambition to be holy and righteous for Christ. But because of the flesh goes through pain and sufferings, we will quickly abandon the cause of Christ because we don't want to have that kind of pain. I'm telling you, hang on. You're going to go through it, but God's going to get you through it. Verse 3 of 1 Peter 4. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquets, and abominable idolatries. Now, let me stop right there. Because of what's going on in the world today, it seems and it appears to many that the world is just doing whatever they want to do. They are living their life as they see fit. They want to burn your house down, they'll burn your house. They want to march their march. They want to riot, they'll riot. They want to create chaos and anarchy. That's what they're doing. They're letting their flesh rule their decisions. And as a believer, we once used to be like that. This is what Peter is saying. You once were this way. You live by the lust of the flesh. But now because we're believers, we live to the will of God. Let thy will be done, as Jesus said in the garden. But what your will is, Lord God, leads to pain and sufferings. That's correct. Why should you, as a believer, not go through any trials of testing and pain? And Jesus did, and he's the son of God. But the world is so busy fulfilling the lust of the flesh that it's doing it because they don't want to go through pain. They rather inflict pain on other people. See, the way the flesh walks, it says they walk in lasciviousness. Now, some people, what is lasciviousness? Well, if you just look in the dictionary, it's, it's not hard to see it. It means it's lewd, it's crude, it's vulgar, it's gross, it's nasty, it's pornography, it's, it's, it's idolatry. That's lasciviousness. Pornographic thoughts, pornographic, lustful, sexual deviance. It's just rude behavior, crude behavior. You see that on the streets, lasciviousness. Then there's lust. The desires that the flesh wants to fulfill. Excessive wine, excessive in alcohol. People are feeding the flesh. Revelings, fighting, arguing. This is why the world is going crazy, because it's all controlled by the flesh, not by the Spirit of God. And they're serving their gods. And that's where verse 3 is talking about when it says idolatries. 
abominable idolatries. We have to remember there's only one God and he is holy. The beast around the throne of God, the 24 elders, the angels sing, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God, who was, who is, and is to come. We have to remember that if God is holy, he is, you must be holy. So verse 3 says, For the time past of our lives, suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, meaning that the, before you became a believer, Gentiles or people who are not Jewish lived a certain way. So you lived a certain way before you became born again. So how did the Gentiles live? Those who were not Jewish, who did not practice the Torah, who did not live by the Old Testament, did not follow the laws of Moses. How did you live before you became born again? Like the Gentiles. When you walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, reverings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Verse 4, whereas they think it is strange that you run not with them into the same excess. You see, here's where, here's where I always find myself. I watch people live these lifestyles of excess wine, revering, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. And they think it's okay. Verse 4, they, they riot. They speak evil of you. They think, because they're not a believer, because they're doing as the Gentiles used to do, as we just read in verse 3, they think it's strange that you're, they think it's strange that you're not participating with them, verse 4, in these type of behaviors including riots, speaking evil. I, you got to ask yourself, why is the church silent, standing by? If God told you to go into the basement and hide, as some politically have made fun of, then do what the Lord says, let your will be done, Lord. But there are people who are in the street, walking in the flesh, doing things that are in excess, like rioting and speaking evil of us. That's verse 4. What are we called to do? Verse 5 says, we're going to give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Verse 6, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So unless you're love and forgive. Love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus said 70 times 7. Jesus was spit or let's say it this way, correct English. <clears throat> Jesus was spat upon. Jesus was punched. Jesus was mocked. He was whipped. He was nailed to a cross. And yet, as he was pierced in his side, he still looked down 
from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9 says, use hospitality one to another with, without grudging. That means be nice. If you're going to give somebody a, a handout, then do it with a love, a love of, of generosity and benevolence. Don't cop an attitude because you feel like you had to do it. Show love without grudging. Share if somebody's hungry. Clothe if somebody's naked. So verse 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold of God's grace. My friends, we are in end times, but we must remember, we must live according to how Christ lived. And Christ suffered. Christ was betrayed. Christ's family members didn't believe in him at first, was not welcomed. He even said a prophet's not welcome in his own hometown. His own apostles scattered when he needed them most. And one denied him three times. The leader of the church, Peter. So we're going to go through things. Stop sitting at home. Listen to me. Stop sitting at home and going, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> this is just too hard. I can't watch TV anymore. This is just too hard. Okay. Then don't watch TV. Then rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. James tells us in chapter 1 to count it all joy, my friends, when you go through trials and persecution, for it is the testing of our faith. And then we must be able to ask God for what? Faith, wisdom, courage, boldness. Ask it. He'll give it to you. But don't sit in your house with an attitude that you're defeated when Christ has already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He has already put Satan under his foot. I'm here to tell you, my friends, stand up, look up, for your redemption does draw near. And I am telling you, the things that are going on this, in this world will pass away. It will come to an end. People say, oh, maybe after the election. I don't care when, the, when it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But what do you do in the meantime? You praise the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. Read your words. Stay sober-minded. Stay fervent in prayer. Pray for the saints. Pray for your nation. Pray for the government. Pray for your leaders. Pray, 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 pray. There is no excuse for you to be sitting around with an attitude of, you know, nastiness, begrudging the things that are going on, stand up, look up, and say, Lord God, what do you want me to do in these final hours before your return? He is coming soon. The Holy Spirit is telling you that. Listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit speaks very clearly, speaks the words of Christ, and obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Don't make excuses. It's scary out there. Don't make excuses of you're not trained, you didn't go to seminary. Don't, don't make excuses. 
if you are a believer, then let the world know that you're, you're a child of the king. Protect yourself. Be wise. Don't go in harm's way. Never go in harm's way. That's testing. That's testing God. If God tells you to go there, then go there. He'll protect you. But don't do it because you want to do it. Do it because the Lord commanded you to do it. And guess what? He will protect you. He will equip you. He will see you through that mission. That's his promise. When Jesus ascended into heaven, as he was being ascended, Matthew 28, even in Acts chapter 1, the apostles saw him go, but the words were clear. Go out through all the world, teaching them, proclaiming the good news, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then he said this, and lo, that means pay attention, lo, I am with you even to the end of time. So when you are called by the Holy Spirit to go out there, then go out there. And remember, as Jesus said, you're not going alone. You, you are not going alone. He says, I will be with you to the end of time. My prayer is that this message gives you hope, not discouragement. Jesus Christ is Lord. And as we get into future episodes on the end times and what's about to happen, be encouraged that you are not alone. There are others who feel what you're going through, but you're not alone. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is in you. Greater is he that's in you than he, the devil, than that's in the world. Take note of that, my friends. And go spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to another session with Sharing the Word. Join me again as we examine and open up the Bible on topics that affect the believer.